0: Note to our listeners, due to social distancing restrictions, today's episode may sound different. Our guests were not recorded in our studio, but from a digitally acceptable platform. The MedVest appreciate your understanding.
1: So, Thank you for joining us today. And let's just talk about chocolate, right? How it all started, how, how the business started. You know, what are you guys doing now since COVID and everything? So Keith, I think Keith just joined. Hey, Keith, how's it going?
0: Hey, good afternoon. Can you hear me? Yes,
1: yep. sir. I met Yelly in the Goldman Sachs class and, and, and her line of business in is chocolate. Right. So I, if, I, if I'm correct, I think you went to Italy and you discovered that, you know, there's this unique chocolate you found and you decided to come back. Bring it into your belly da- dancing lessons and that classes. I'm not sure you still do that. But then you just decided to inter- intertwine the two and became Yellow Belly Chocolates.
2: It's, it's a weird conglomeration of how it all came together. But mm-hmm. yes, definitely. I actually started out my career as a dietitian. So I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in nutrition and food science. And so I was uh, a dietitian for 15 years and I loved my job. I loved being creative in the food industry and my job job was a little bit different than a traditional uh, dietitian. I actually worked in the food service and the food science side. So I was not one of those dietitians that was like in a hospital reciting the diabetic diet every day. Like I I was always a little bit different than a traditional dietitian. But uh, Marcus is right. I, I had been on a trip overseas to Italy and found this unique little chocolate store and started trying all of this infused chocolate and just kind of had this light bulb like, I want to do that. Like, I want to make that feeling of enjoying a chocolate that's not like anything I've had before. And I just thought there have to be other people out there that don't just want to have a a mint-infused chocolate or an Mm -hmm. orange, kind of all the stuff we can get every day anyway. And I just, I was self-taught for probably about 10 years. I just, I got textbooks and just made chocolate at home. And would bring it to work. And I don't know if I had to force my staff really to to eat the chocolate, but just it it just started out with baby steps, just sampling and trying and yeah, it it just, it kind of grew organically before I decided to quit my full-time job as a dietitian and become an entrepreneur.
1: Is is chocolate considered a fruit because it comes from a seed, right? So is that, is it a fruit?
2: Oh, the dietitian and me would love to say yes to that. <laughs> the cacao pod is actually the fruit of the Theobromo cacao tree. So it does start off as a fruit mm-hmm. and the chocolate comes from the seeds of the cacao fruit. So okay. it does start off as fruit, but then through the manufacturing process and adding, you know, the sugar and and more cocoa butter and stuff like that. It, it doesn't become the most healthy thing, yeah. but i was always a dietician that felt all foods could fit. So,
1: organically, it is a fruit at heart, so therefore it is yeah, good for it, you. It, so, yeah. so
0: so chocolate is a fruit, so it's good for you. Okay,
1: got
2: it. Yeah. Yes, okay. definitely. It starts out very healthy, and then it kind of goes downhill from there. So. so
0: speaking about that, is I actually went to... St. Lucia, maybe about six, seven years ago. And I think they showed me their different trees or different chocolate farms to where they say they have some of the the best chocolates. Because, you know, so have you ever been to St. Lucia?
2: I have. And I have not been to a cacao plantation there. Um, I did try some of the chocolate. Everybody says that their trees are the best. So yeah, I wouldn't say that theirs are the most rare, that tends to happen a little bit more in um, South America, but everybody produces good chocolate. I have to say that, especially when it goes from bean to bar, where it's the, you know, the person that's making the chocolate knows where those beans come from, that they come from one area, and the way they're cultivated can make really good bars of chocolate. I I think it's cool that you got to see that though, because when Mm -hmm. we teach in our classes, where chocolate comes from a lot of people have never even imagined that it comes from a tree Yeah. so to see it in person had to have been kind of eye-opening to see that process
0: i, I kind of felt like a Willy wonka
2: yeah you know <laughs> where
0: you know we go there and i'm like wow i have all this i like that you appreciate the proper name i'm still calling it chocolate but the yeah. cow plantations you know shows your skill set and what you're doing but when they showed me that plant, you know, the c- c- cacao plantation, I was like, I don't have to go home. So, like, wait, cacao, know,
1: like, c- cacao is how you say cocoa? It's really pronounced cacao or?
2: So, those are actually what? two different things. Okay. So, cacao is the pod. And I actually don't think I was looking to see if I had one <laughs> sitting in my <laughs> office. <laughs> don't <laughs> They're out of the kitchen. So, cacao is the pod and it comes from the Theobromo cacao tree. Mm-hmm. Now, cocoa is a processed form of chocolate. So mm,
1: okay. cocoa Makes sense.
2: has all the moisture removed. It has some of the fat removed and stuff like that. So that's the powdered form. So what you put in like your chocolate milk or what you use to make brownies, that's cocoa. Mm-hmm. But cacao right. is where it comes from.
0: Yeah. So we okay. need to upgrade Marcus on the difference. So I, you know, we need to give them the education as far as, you know, <laughs> it's there.
2: And it's better if you're in one of our classes, because I need you get to try all of it, too. So. so
1: so speaking of your classes, are you guys doing virtual classes now for the social distancing? How's that? Can you tell us a little bit about that? And how's so that going? We've,
2: we've had to do the magic word pivot. pivot. Most of our business prior to our coronation has been corporate gifts. We did a lot of corporate logos on chocolate. We did a lot of in-person classes and we did some wholesaling through different retail um, stores and things like that. But that that stopped and and everything got canceled. So we really had to find a new way to get our product out there. We still sell online. So our online store is still active. But I sat down with my team and I have a really good educated group of people working for me that are really invested in our company and I don't want to just say my company but we sat down and said what what do we want to do what do we want to do so that we can stay relevant right now and what they came up with was our our classes are a hit we're always doing classes in our kitchen here we travel off-site to do classes people want hands-on and people need interaction right now. So we came up with a virtual class session and we filmed some videos of me walking people through the class and then we put together an ingredient box. So basically you order the box on our website and we ship you everything you need to do to hold the class at your house. So oh, wow! You, okay. Yeah, you get the chocolate, we have gloves in there, we have piping bags, we have uh, toppings, kind of all the stuff that you need to put together in the class. And then you go online, oh, watch yeah. the video, and you can follow along. And most of the boxes that we have, and depending on what kind of family they're going to, you can either run the class a couple of times, like you'll have enough to do it a couple of times, or if you have a family of like six or eight, it's gonna be enough for everybody. Mm -hmm. So we definitely tried to make it so it was a worthwhile purchase, it's interactive, and at the same time, it's fun. Some learning aspect to it, of course, so I do talk about some science stuff in it and things Mm -hmm. like that, but we're trying to come up with a new box every couple of weeks and so we'll have a new one that will come out next week. And that's going to be probably midweek when I can actually get the video done. That's the hardest part. Okay. Of
1: <laughs> that's such a, a, I think it very effective because you need, you need fun. You need interactive nowadays, right. With people that staying inside. Mm-hmm. How, how quick did you guys come up with that transition? Like was it just like within a, a matter of a month planning or was it something that you guys were already considered doing? And then now you just, you know, kind of full force. Let's, let's go this route.
2: So we had kind of chatted about online classes previously, but it was really within a week that we decided, here's what we're gonna do. My kitchen staff actually went and put together some sample boxes. Mm -hmm. We started off with two classes, one making your own truffles and one making um, French mendiants. So we said, here's the two options that we normally teach in our class in person. Let's go put together two boxes and see what that looks like. And then we kind of adjusted the ingredient size a little bit, worked on the packaging. And I would say within a week, we were up and running with that. And that is all my staff. That was all them coming together and deciding what needs to go in it, what a person needs to do a class at their house. And then I shot the videos and we were live within a week.
1: Wow, So wow.
2: Yeah, yeah, that and- was a big turn. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's actually, And and for all the listeners, you can go register for the classes and look at uh, Yelly's online shop at yellybelly.com. That's dot ycom And right. I, I think that's that's fantastic to have such a quick, pivotal transition and getting chocolates into the home of people, <laughs> right? Like good chocolate.
0: Yeah. I guess we can use that magic word of, of pivot. And so I want to talk, you know, what are any because you know, with our podcast, we really want to try to focus on on health, the benefits and different things are going on in healthcare. What are any kind of health benefits that chocolate cacao may have? Because you know, me myself, I may look at chocolate as a dessert, something that's a reward for myself, but what health benefits can chocolate have on a, a, a person?
2: So especially when you use darker chocolate. So the darker chocolate has more of the original good, you know, phytochemicals and things like that that naturally occur in, in cacao. When you start draining off the dark chocolate and get into milk and white chocolate, you lose a lot of the benefits of what the chocolate plant provides us. But there are a lot of good things that happen in chocolate that provide us boosts in mood chemicals in chocolate that can help with relaxing. And, I, I, I don't know that I would totally believe it has the same result as sex, but there are some people that will say that it releases I heard the that. same, but, you know, um, I think I'd have to eat a lot of chocolate, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and maybe some really good chocolate, but uh, it, it really will help elevate the mood. And there's also caffeine in dark chocolate, so that also helps with energy. Now, I would not, as a dietitian, suggest it as a replacement for your cup of coffee or your your regular caffeine source. But mm-hmm. people do notice a uh, a boost from it from their energy and their mood too. You know there are of course chemicals present in chocolate and and i say natural chemicals i don't want that word to scare off natural parts of chocolate that have been shown to do other things in science you know but from my perspective on the science side i can't say that eating raw cacao nibs or dark chocolate is going to cure anything it's always it it's something that is a positive thing to consume but you really can't say that because it's got theobromine in it that it's going to cure anything. yeah
1: no well, i i always look at it as chocolate it makes me um happy inside and anything that kind of gets my brain stimulants and that good vibe it's good for me even though it may you know there may be some health risk it's good for the heart right i mean uh, that's how there, i feel
2: but the same way that you would say that for red wine. Red exactly. wine too, yep. but everything in moderation. <laughs> yes. Yep. Drinking a bottle of wine is certainly not going to be healthy for you. But again, the same thing happens with chocolate. If you enjoy <laughs> it in moderation, yes, it can be good for a lot of different things about you, including your mood. And especially now that so many of us are isolated from each other mm-hmm. right now whatever you can do to boost your mood is really going to be something positive. And the fact that it might be a few extra calories in your day right now, Hey, if it boosts your mood and you feel good enough to go outside for a walk, then that's a whole lot of benefit there. Mm -hmm. So I would rather someone enjoy something like that where it makes them feel better, you know, and sometimes it like Keith, like you were saying, you know, too, it's a treat. Mm -hmm. It, It is a treat. And right now, we could all use a little bit of a pick-me-up now, too. Absolutely. So even if, if your chocolate choice is not the healthiest today, it's okay. There is so much mentally going on with us now that I really encourage people to do something positive for your mental health in addition to your physical health. And sometimes just enjoying a comfort food or a a piece of chocolate that makes you feel like you're being naughty on your diet, whatever it is, if it's something that can help your mental health right now, gosh, I cannot suggest it enough to to really do something good for you also.
0: Well, that's very helpful because that's something that I need to get better at, you know, as far as making sure I eat more chocolate in moderation. So so that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Not in excess. So I know very little about a dietitian or what a dietitian does, and I'm sure my our community, you know, probably know very little. They may hear things on TV or anything like that. So, what is a dietitian, and should most people be using a a dietitian?
2: That's a great question. So there uh, does get to be a lot of confusion, especially with a lot of people considering themselves. Uh, in our field, and they're not. So a registered dietitian is someone who has gone through an extensive college program and then also completed uh, an, an internship that requires them to work in different areas that a dietitian would be present in. So a hospital setting, uh, a community setting like working for WIC or something like that, mm-hmm. I'm working for schools and planning school food service menus or working in the food service industry. So there's a lot of areas a dietitian can work in, but they are specialists in food and nutrition knowledge they are it's a regulated industry there are required continuing education units that are required there is licensure that's required so when someone is a registered dietitian they are an expert in the field of food and nutrition that though is different than someone who calls themselves a nutritionist a nutritionist is not a regulated term and Anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. You can mm. take an online class through, you know, whatever on, you know, some certificate online that calls you a nutritionist and that doesn't mean anything. However, to the general public, they don't really know the difference. Yeah. So I would definitely want to educate your listeners to say, if you if you are looking for nutrition advice, go to a dietitian for that because someone who calls themselves just a nutritionist, does not necessarily have that regulated licensure behind them to know that they are using science-based facts to provide that information to you. And, uh, you know, it's something that just gets so confused, you know, in in the general public or in the media and things like that too. But dietitians can work in a lot of different areas. Like I said, I personally was not a clinical dietitian. It was not um, what my calling was. But clinical dietitians are going to work with patients in the hospital, ensuring they have um, proper nutrition for whatever their medical condition is, especially right now, like during the COVID crisis, a dietitian is actually going to be working in the ICU right now with patients that are on vet. They're going to be doing tube feedings. So they're going to be feeding them directly through a port in their body. It might be a, a, you know an NG tube through their nose, it might be through their stomach, but they're going to be calculating the nutrition that that person needs when they can't consume food all throughout the hospital dietitians are present in every single unit of the hospital not just where someone needs to learn a you know a diabetic diet or a renal diet or something like that but i i have friends that are dietitians in the army and in the navy i mean they're all you know they're providing you know nutrition counseling to our our soldiers making sure that meals are planned properly you might not love the flavor of an MRE, but it is.
1: Yeah, true. oh man, <laughs> <Exactly>.
2: man, you <laughs> exactly are. What a soldier needs.
1: Um, yeah, you're. you're <laughs> taking me back. My
2: is actually in the navy, and okay. he's brought home some of those MREs before, and I was. Hmm. Mm.
1: Mm. I, I mean, uh, some yeah. of them. Some of them do have their MMs in there, and they make it worthwhile, yeah. though. So.
0: <laughs> well, you, you know, when <laughs> I was
2: the. sauces, but yeah. <laughs>
0: When I, when I was in the Air Force, we kind of treated MREs like baseball cards.
2: We're, yeah. We're,
0: we're, we're trading the good ones, okay? Like, hey, I have yeah this one. I'll give you this. You know, we had like you know, Marcus said the M and M's, or we had I forgot. You know, pe- the peanut butter, had had peanut butter cupcakes, and <laughs> apples. We were, yeah. We were, we were trading our MREs like 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 baseball cards. Okay, like, here I will give you this one. I will give you that one. So exactly. The general public, you know, MREs are meals ready to eat, and yes. so the, the military, as, as Marcus knows, they have a lot of acronyms.
2: But that, that's actually what dietitians do too. I mean, they're going to work with food scientists. They're going to work on MREs, and I'm I'm sure they've improved over the years. I'm I'm yeah, sure that, that know, <laughs> that's the, the packaging, just the
0: packaging improve.
1: improved. So not,
2: not the same MREs of <laughs> the, today. The packaging
1: but. and the snags. They still. Yeah. I think they still. They they still. Love, they still. I think you know. People used to always think when I was in the military, they would think that they uh they put some type of ingredient in it so you wouldn't have to use the bathroom, or it would make you constipated. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, found the opposite. We had party, I really needed to go to the bathroom yeah. no no but
1: so and then so and then some of them would say even in the food that they put some type of chemical in it so they it make and it doesn't make you sexually horny it doesn't make you horny right so they would, do, so that to, the, they would the food, do that they would do so. that to so the food yeah <laughs> 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 the food they act like the food would, would do it, like exactly a stimulant to your mind so <laughs> Maybe times have changed.
2: That's amazing that people would think. But see, that's kind of all the stuff that dietitians hear all the time, is the crazy questions like that Mm -hmm. and things that we hear in the industry. It's so hard sometimes to have all of this nutrition and food science knowledge and then hear the things that we do out in the general public. And you can't eye roll hard enough. Like, I can see my brain when I eye roll sometimes, just hearing. The, the questions or the theories that people have about food you know it's yeah. just it's insane and I love to bust myths I mean we <laughs> really love to help with that but sometimes some of the questions we get that I, I just like all right well let me see how I can handle this one in a, in a not necessarily a politically correct way but not go what
1: (laughs) yeah can i ask you what's one what's one of the most recent myths you've you've heard that would just have been totally out there one of the newest things you've heard
2: oh gosh you know the diet ones are just always out there Uh, you know everybody thinks that whatever diet is on you know good morning america right now is the thing to to go for (laughs) everybody everything is keto right now and Mm -hmm. even though i'm not a practicing as a dietitian right now, still having all of this knowledge base, I'm, you know, I, I just, it, people are like, oh, well, this is the new thing. I'm like, no, this is not new. This, this has been around before. It's just got a new name to it. And a lot of people say that, you know, they're going keto by not eating bread, but, you know, there's just, it, it's it's not what people think it is. Not, I, you
1: know, I get you. There
2: is so much psychology in nutrition and dieting that, I mean, I could probably open any, any magazine or newspaper and find a hundred things in there that are just Mm. myths or stretching the truth about science and and things like that. I've, I've tried to not get into Facebook wars anymore with folks and friends of mine. When they post something, I kind of just go, all right, just don't, don't engage. Don't say, (laughs) 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 uh, (laughs)
0: <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I will say, and when Marcus told me that we're, you know, meeting with you today, I kind of got excited because there's a lot of things I want to know personally, just to educate myself to yeah. get around some of these myths. So there's two things that I would like to know.
1: Okay, And, and, I'm, sure,
0: and, and I'm sure our listeners would want to know also. So one is, you know, I've heard that you can eat based on your blood type. And so is that a myth? And there are books out there that say, hey, you're all negative, a positive, then you should eat these kind of things. So as a dietitian, is there any truth to that or is that a myth?
2: Uh, how politically correct are we on this podcast? Let's be, let's be
1: totally, brutally honest. Yeah. Brutally it honest. Is bullshit.
2: It is total bullshit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what happens with, with some of these, these theories for diets that come out is that people will take a tiny bit of science this one little sentence and stretch it into this theory of eating right for your blood type is one Mm -hmm. of them is you take this tiny bit of, of theory and blow it up and make a whole concept out of it. And if you really break down what they claim the science of it is, it just dissipates. It disappears. There's nothing to hold the base of the science of it. So there is no eating right for your blood type. It's not legitimate science. If it's really broken down, you can, you can destroy all of their theories in there by digging into the science of it. And what people need to realize is a lot of the theories that are out there come from people who have a, a disease state, for instance, so like a diabetic. A diabetic really needs to be concerned about the carbohydrates they eat and the grams of carbohydrate or the sugar they eat in a day because they are diabetic and their body doesn't make insulin properly. Their pancreas is not working properly. And so that person with a disease state needs to be aware of their blood sugar levels and things like that. You and I, if we do not have diabetes, Mm -hmm. our bodies work right and they don't need to worry about the way that we process carbohydrates our body does it for us but the science of how a diabetic should eat gets stretched into over the general population and says you should cut out carbs or you need to count carbs because this is how the body works well that's how the body works for a diabetic not for someone without diabetes so again I I I would say no to the blood the blood count diet or whatever it is yeah. right your blood okay. type.
1: So.
2: Um, no, your your body, whatever your blood type you have, your blood type does not dictate how your body processes carbohydrate fat or protein. All.
1: Okay. Got it. Okay. All right, Keith, with, with two. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> you know, so I you know, I don't know anything about the within the last couple of years, I've heard you know, vegetarian, vegan, and another thing. This is probably another question, but a lot of packaging has non-GMO. I don't know what non-GMO or anything is, but if you can kind of tell me what the difference between a vegetarian and a vegan is, mm-hmm. and then just kind of explain what does GMO or non-GMO mean on packaging, and if there's any benefits, you know, health health wise for individuals.
2: Okay. A vegetarian or a vegan is going to be someone who chooses not to eat meat products. So they become more strict and there are a lot of different levels, I should say, of being a vegetarian or a vegan. So a vegetarian is going to say, I'm not going to eat meat. So no chicken, no beef, no pork, no fish. They may still consume products made with milk or dairy products and things like that. So they may still drink milk, they may eat yogurt, they may eat cheese or something like that, but they won't eat the meat. So they're not going to want to consume something that has killed an animal where you can still make cheese without harming a cow. So that would be the vegetarian level. A vegan level would be more restrictive. They're not going to eat a product that comes from an animal of any source. So they won't eat cheese or drink milk or drink dairy milk, I should say, because it comes from a cow. And there are a lot of different reasons people become a vegetarian or a vegan. It could be, um, you know, religious beliefs, it, it personally held beliefs, it could be that they don't, that they look at a hamburger and see the face of a cow in it. You know, there are a lot of different reasons that people choose to be one way or the other. You can eat a completely healthy diet as a vegetarian or a vegan, if done correctly. And that's where some folks on a vegetarian or a vegan lifestyle run into trouble, is that they'll eliminate the meat products, which is fine. You can live without meat products, but then they'll also eliminate other areas where they need to get their protein or certain vegetables and minerals, or I'm sorry, um, certain vitamins and minerals from. So if you have a well-balanced vegan or vegetarian diet, you can be completely healthy at any age, whether it's a child, an adult, or a senior, Mm -hmm. but you have to balance all of your needs of your protein, your carbohydrates, and your fats. And you can get them, you just have to work sometimes a little bit harder than someone who eats a more varied diet that might include meat products then too. Mm -hmm. And you can have different types of vegetarian vegans someone might say they're a lacto ovo vegetarian or vegan which means that they might eat eggs then and they might eat dairy products and some people may choose not to so there's just there are people that have different ideas of what that vegetarian or vegan means to them too Mm
1: -hmm. perfect no and, and i think the second part of keith's question was that the non gmos on packaging right so what is what is it what what when What is a non-GMO exactly, or compared to organic?
2: And organic is separate. So organic is separate than GMO. Organic is how a product is grown. And a product can be labeled organic if it meets certain standards for not using pesticides or the way that, you know, let's say corn. So the way the corn is grown, it's grown organically. If they don't use specific pesticides, it still allows them to use some types of pesticides. But from a nutritional standpoint, the science doesn't really show a difference between the nutritional content of an organic apple and a non-organic apple. So it's really up to a personal preference of whether you wanna eat organic or non-organic. They're both going to provide vitamins and minerals, protein, carbohydrates, and fats that you need. So from a a personal perspective as a dietitian, my family does not eat strictly organic anything. If we happen to consume an organic product, that's fine, but we don't seek it out because there really is not a nutritional, in the science, nutritional difference between organic and non-organic apples let's say okay if i say that i'm not bringing certain pesticides or animals are raised into my thought process for consuming food then i may choose to go organic in that way now gmo is a little bit different gmo is a genetically modified organism and a gmo or a non-gmo product means that it has been grown or it has been raised while not consuming or using science to change the organic structure of it. So corn, for instance, you as a scientist, a food scientist can take a corn kernel and change the organic structure of it to make it more resilient against pests and things Mm. like that. And the reason we would wanna do that is so, if we have this corn kernel now, that grows stronger corn, more bountiful corn, I don't have to use as much pesticide on the product then. And there are benefits to that. We can grow more corn, we can feed more people. Some people believe though that having a corn kernel played with, adjusted or whatever by a food scientist is not right. Mm. So they don't want to eat a corn that has been genetically modified.
1: Got it. Okay. Got it. From a science
2: perspective, though, I mean, if you remember way back into biology class in freshman year of high school, so not even in college stuff, but in high school, (laughs) we learned about Gregor Mendel. And Mendel was the scientist way back in the day that was the first one that started mixing chromosomes from pea plants. And you might have remembered learning about different DNA structures or, you know, different science um, structures and things like that. So modifying plants has happened for hundreds of years and it is safe to consume. You can choose, just like you can choose organic or non-organic, you can choose GMO or non-GMO. From a science perspective, from a dietitian with my background in science and food science, I'm going to continue to eat products that either are GMO or non-GMO. I don't find that the science shows that it's harmful to my family. Mm -hmm. So I will feed it to my child. I will feed it to my husband. I will feed it to my mom. Food scientists are making food good for us. There is not some evil scientist in a basement somewhere going, (laughs) we're making making corn to kill people. No, we're making (laughs) corn to feed more people. We want it to be more healthy and sometimes modifying the genetic structure of a kernel of corn can make it more healthy and more bountiful so that we can feed more people.
1: I mean, just the extensive knowledge is like, wow, thank you. you, you can't like get that to, information from google you cannot yeah. that's that's like so i want to I want to,
2: college.
1: I want to
0: expand on that a little bit more because you said something that kind of triggered something for me okay. about the mad scientist yes so what about cloning i've heard about that i haven't done any research but i've heard that different food manufacturers may be cloning animals or doing certain things What's your breakdown on that?
1: that that's, oh. that's a whole other discussion. Look at that. I
2: I'm not an expert on that at all. I okay. only know what I've read, too. I, I'm sure lots of stuff is happening like that that we don't know anything about. I mean, okay. we've heard about... Dolly the lamb, or the goat, or oh, whatever so she
1: wants. Okay, oh, Keith is it. like that ma- mad scientist. He has that mad scientist oh, mentality. So okay, so he wanted I'm, some more information on that, yo. That's why. Okay, so
0: <laughs> I have, a, I have a, another question then. So not on that, but I see commercials for different restaurants, you know, fast food chains that says, "Hey, you can get ten pieces of chicken for a dollar." There's something got to be going on with that chicken because. <laughs> You know, that, that, that's not Purdue. That's not something. But how can I get 10 pieces of chicken for a buck? I mean, me, I mean, it sounds like a good deal, but is it really healthy for me? Because I'm like, yeah, it's enticing to get me in there. But really, 10 pieces of chicken for, for a buck? That's 10 pieces of chicken.
2: I I, I agree. It is concerning sometimes as a dietitian when I look at what is available to our general public and Mm. you can buy a burger for a dollar and you can also buy like a banana for a dollar and they shouldn't be the same price. A single piece of fruit should not cost the same as a burger with Mm. meat cheese, lettuce, tomato, ketchup, and a bun. It's the way things are manufactured and it's the way our society provides for companies versus farmers too. And what Mm -hmm. we are purchasing is going to drive the price also. So we actually have a lot to do with what is available to us out there and, and, Mm -hmm. and we drive the price with economics. If we give more support to farmers that are able to grow more for us in the United States versus shipping it from other countries, you know, we're not growing bananas in Texas. So if we want bananas from somewhere, we're gonna have to go shopping for bananas. Mm -hmm. And they're not growing in in you know Chicago right now. So (laughs) we have to go outside. So we have to bring product in from other countries, which is gonna cost us more and tariffs that are put on those products are gonna raise the price of them too. Cows cranking out hamburgers all day long, it's going to be cheaper for us to produce it locally here than to bring it in from outside the country. I would love to see fruits and vegetables cheaper than some of our grains and meat products, Mm -hmm. but it's all a function of how our society puts more relevance on those fast food items than fruits and vegetables then too.
1: But I promise
2: it's real food. Okay. <laughs> Your question about chicken. I promise it's real food. Then
0: it's going to make me go to the bathroom more. Are
2: are not putting fake chicken in food. They have found a way to do it cheaper, and mm. having a less expensive product brings more people in the door too. But mm. you have to realize they're balancing it out too. Yeah. You know, you're you're paying a you know a dollar for ten pieces of chicken, and you're paying two dollars for a coke. Well, it costs them five cents to make that Coke. Yeah. You know they're making money somewhere. So, but if they can bring you in the door to buy the chicken, you're going to go and buy a Coke and fries too, and you're going to spend more money there. They're they're making up their money. They're not hurting yeah. at all. But in terms of the relevance of what's really in food, the food is real. I mean, mm-hmm. chicken is real. The most that can be put in like a burger. You could put soy, soy can be put into a burger to stretch it out and act as a filler. Mm-hmm. And But it's no different. I mean, soy is, you know, soybeans, tofu, it's, mm-hmm. it's that kind of stuff. You don't know that it's there, but it's mm-hmm. sometimes used in beef products to stretch it out. But it's not like they're putting plastic in there or, any, or you know, things like that. They're not making you rubber chickens, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. real chicken. <laughs> <laughs> it's real chicken. It just may not be the highest quality of mm-hmm. chicken.
1: No, I appreciate uh, that. Okay. in but uh, <laughs> thanks for, thank you for all this information, Yelly. Like, this has been a tremendous, tremendous podcast. And I don't know. I, 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 excellent. Excellent. So, again, for all of our listeners, if you, have, if you would like to get in contact with Yelly, buy some chocolates, take online classes, you can visit her at yellybelly.com. Y E L I B E L L Y dot com. Do you guys have a Twitter, Instagram account too, Yelly, that you would like to provide? Sarah,
2: we do have Twitter and Instagram. Both accounts are at Yelly Chocolate, so Y E L I Chocolate, C H O C O L A T E. And we have a second Instagram account for one of our products specifically called Coco Chino. And Cococino is a disc of chocolate that will float on top of your cappuccino. And that Mm. one is uh, Cococino Coffee on Instagram. So we'd love for you guys to visit both but definitely give us a holler on Instagram. One of our staff is trying to do Twitter more often because I don't play over there a lot but I (laughs) like Instagram. So. I hear you. But I loved answering questions for you guys. You you had me on my toes today.
1: Well,
2: <laughs> I, I had to think. I thought I was just gonna chat chocolate for an hour. Well, hey, this
0: this this is what we do. These, you know, the med vets. Somebody like me, I think of different things as far as health wise, and so. Well,
2: yeah. thanks for helping use my my degrees again because I feel like. It's been, I, yeah started making chocolate i i feel like i have this beautiful master's degree on the wall but i just kind of look at how much money is hanging on my wall yeah. there so. no, yeah speaking of,
0: that, <laughs> speaking of that do you do any consulting still for dietary work or anything
2: i do sometimes in the food service industry so i've mm-hmm. worked with some companies on um, menu development or product development but not so much on like the clinical side i yeah. leave that friends in clinical dietetics. But I do some food service consulting every now and then still with some friends that are in the industry. And I still have fun. We do a lot of R&D in our kitchen here too. So every once mm-hmm. in a while, i use my degree on chocolate also. But yeah, I still like to keep myself sharp on, on the food science side of things too. Okay. Well, perfect.
1: Thank or you for really sharing. Yeah, I, it. yeah. Thank you for sharing that knowledge today for us and our listeners. And we really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, guys. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate it. So,
0: we'll, we'll try to find a reason to where we can do a part two. So, yes, yeah. that'll be
2: awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, give it's me your list it. of questions. Dump me.
1: All right. And to all the listeners, please go out and support Yelly and her chocolate. And it's so delicious. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks,
2: guys. Have a great Thank day. Thank right. we'll you. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye.